and welcome to the Tasty Brew Music Podcast. I'm Diana Lynn. After a 40-year career in corporate America, I took a huge U-turn and became a volunteer DJ on 90.1 FM KKFI, Kansas City Community Radio. Since 2010, I've been the host, programmer, and engineer of a weekly Americana Roots music show, The Tasty Brew. With this podcast, I'll be sharing conversations with artists and music industry insiders with the goal of entertaining and educating the listening audience, all while giving a voice to the music makers that are underserved or ignored by mainstream media. Every so often, an artist or group circles in the periphery of my musical consciousness, recommended by peers or supporters. I may hear a snippet of their offerings or perhaps forget to check them out altogether. Such is the case of Barnaby Bright, an indie folk duo comprised of marital team Becky and Nathan Bliss from Kansas City. As their online bio reveals, Nathan and Becky Bliss have made some cool Americana records, lived in Brooklyn and Nashville, toured coast to coast, run out of money, toured Europe, run out of money again, won highfalutin prizes for songwriting in New York, generally not argued with each other, built an audience, been named one of Amazon's top 100 albums of the year, played Lincoln Center and NPR's Mountain Stage, eaten copious amounts of vegetarian food, attracted 19,000 plus listeners a month on Spotify, and opened for Nora Jones and the Lumineers. My friend Corinne Bauer has been extolling the virtues of Barnaby Bright for years, and I had all but ignored her calls to action to dig into their catalog. I was wrong to have done so. I've missed out on some true sonic treasures, but I'm relieved to say that's no longer the case. My friend and colleague Sam Weissman, a world-class percussionist in his own right, had recently played a live stream show when Barnaby Bright was a guest of Becky's brother, Ben Bliss, a critically acclaimed operatic tenor. Sam asked me to consider interviewing them to help promote the audio rebroadcast of that program, Holiday Bliss, on KKFI. Still in lockdown, I reached out to Becky Bliss and she graciously agreed to a Zoom session to have a conversation. By the time we met virtually, I felt like we'd already been introduced. We have tons of mutual friends and they could not have been more gracious in telling a portion of their story. As you will hear, I'm very interested in why our world-class, in many cases classically trained artists like Becky and Nathan, leave the heartland to pursue their dreams. It is heartwarming and reaffirming to know that they can and will come home. Enjoy this conversation with Becky and Nathan Bliss, Barnaby Bright. like I know you already. <laughs> We've traded a few emails, haven't we? This yeah. is Nathan. Hello. Hello, nice Nathan. It's such a pleasure to meet you guys. You too. It seems like we have a ton of mutual friends and connections and, you know, Kansas City is a small, small world. Well, you know, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that my friend Corinne Bauer has been extolling your virtues for years. And when she comes on to do guest DJ spots on my show, she always plays some of your music. And I was not aware until I started preparing for this conversation that you guys had moved back to Kansas City. I, yep. I thought you were still in Nashville. I, I just was not aware, but. Well, the New York Times thought that too, because that's what they said when they reviewed our album. <laughs> so we oh my, well, <laughs> you are from Kansas City, born and raised, both of you, is that right? No? Well, I, was, I was, yeah. I, I was born here, grew up in Prairie Village, went to Shawnee Mission East. Uh, I went to a school in, in Chicago for a year and then transferred to KU. And Nathan, you went to North, right? 
I did go to North. Um, there was a period where I lived in um, in Kansas City with my mom, but mostly I've been um, been on the East Coast for most of my life, Philadelphia and Boston. He spent the first like twelve years of his life in Philly, and then moved here for high and then school. went and was here for high school, and then went to school in Boston, and was in Boston for twelve years, and then New York, and then Phoenix, and then Los Angeles, and then. <laughs> do Do you find? probably not so much now as you did when you were in high school, that there was quite the culture shock when you moved here to the Midwest yeah. after yeah. growing up. I mean, there was, I remember coming here from Philadelphia had a very thick mid Atlantic accent, you know, hugging a coke and, you know, talking like that. And everyone seemed to talk pretty funny to me around here. And um, it took, took a little while to get, but I love the green trees and grass everywhere. I mean, coming from the, the city, I was starved for nature. And when you come to Kansas City, there's just so many beautiful green spaces. The quality of life is so wonderful. We have four seasons here for sure. I mean, they might, yeah. Be, yeah. they might be of short duration. My whole family lives in Texas. My sister lives on South Padre Island, you know, when the sun's out and it's hot 11 months out of the year. So she mm. always loves the, the pictures that I post, you know, that actually indicate that there are four seasons in the year. Um, you do have a new album out that has come, that has been receiving great acclaim. And Nathan, is it true you were actually sitting in the dentist chair when you heard out heard about the New York Times having it on their yeah, list? It was, pain. it was a wonderful bright spot in an otherwise pretty horrible morning. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. I, you know, the haven't my dentist hasn't even been available unless it's an emergency. You know, it's. It's yeah. such a crazy, well, this really, weird, yeah, this is, this is an emergency. If ever there was one, I was having one. Um, prior to moving back to Kansas City, I'm, I'm not sure where I really want to start with this because there are so many, in, in the course of, of getting prepared for this conversation, there are so many touchstones or places where I thought, oh my gosh, I, I probably knew them then or I was at that show. Um, <laughs> I read that you guys met at O'Dowd's and just to show you what a small world this is, my better half, my boyfriend, Danny used to book <laughs> the talent for O'Dowd's and Tom Foolery's oh. back in the nineties, probably not when you guys were there, but um, it's, I used to go to O'Dowd's all the time because my friends, Greg Camp and Tom Hall had a regular Tuesday night gig there for like eight years. Wow. Nine years, something like that. Um, so it's, it's a small, it's a small world. Um, Bleak, Bleak Midwinter is the name of the new album. And I have had it on constant replay now for about three days. <laughs> One of the things that I love about the work is your, your voice on all of your work is so front and center, Becky, but man oh man when you listen to you guys with headphones on the instrumentation and the sonic choices that you make for the background of the supporting music is so stellar i just absolutely love it um thank you nathan is a wizard in the studio he really I'm, is i'm sure these are all conscious choices that you're making but could we talk about your gear for a minute <laughs> i mean harmonium what the f i mean <laughs> I, 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 I had to look it up to see what, when I first saw you playing it, I thought, is that a hurdy-gurdy? You know, what, what is that? Um, similar sound, isn't it? Yeah, it's similar I mean, sound. it's a squeeze box kind of thing or, or, or mm -hmm. odd thing. So if we could talk a little bit about, you, you 
have a degree in jazz saxophone or something from Berkeley? I do, yeah, jazz, um, jazz composition and saxophone performance of all things. I thought it was 1947 or something when I went to college. I don't know what I was thinking, but uh, it was a great, uh, a great experience to learn all that stuff, and it serves me well in arranging music. Yeah, but also it's it was the, it was the right choice. I mean, I don't, I honestly do not know a better musician on the face of the earth than him, and I'm not saying oh. that because I'm prejudiced or anything. I mean, he can play any instrument. He, he he writes all of our string charts for all of the different string players. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. And then on top of all that, he also has a degree in um, audio engineering. So he goes into the studio and then lays down every sound that you hear. You know, I'm I'm a sound um, nerd. I mean, I'm real picky about sound, and I say this a lot that if I we're doing it over again, life over again. That I would seriously consider sound engineering as um, as a as a profession well, because I'm know, really picky. Ability for an internship in our studio, melodic <laughs> studios. So well, I started radio broadcasting at like sixty, and I'm starting to learn all this broadcasting at sixty-eight. Why not learn how to be a sound engineer yeah. at well, seventy? I mean, it's it's crazy. I just really admire your choices and. It makes it so listenable. Angels and archangels may have gathered there. and Sheffin Where where do you uh, where do you think is the best fit for your music to play? Say. Yeah, theaters. We love playing small theaters. Yeah, it's just, there's something about the framing of us in a theatrical setting that just seems to fit right. I mean, it music. just seems criminal for you guys to have to play any place where there are televisions or we don't do that going anymore. on. Yeah. We don't do that anymore. That was in the early days. <laughs> yeah, that just that just is not right. Um, do you play house concerts, private? Yes, yeah, definitely. A lot of times when we're on tour, we'll fill in nights of the week with house concerts. It's an, it's an amazing way. I mean, and really, we played so many online shows in December on Zoom that were hosted by some of these house concert hosts that we've played at their houses over the years. Do you, I'm, I'm fascinated with, I, I've lived here my whole adult life. I moved here when I was 21 years old, and I have been... I'm not a musician. I don't play an instrument. I don't sing. But I have been supporting music and the arts my whole life. It's just kind of what I love to do. Thank you. I've always been sad or irritated or frustrated that world-class talent like you guys leaves Kansas City and for the most part don't, don't come back. Um, so when you graduated from high school, when you graduated from North Nathan and, and you graduated from East. Was it a given that you had to leave? Was it ever a consideration to stay here to try to make it 
work from here or no, I've got to go to New York or I've got to go to Boston? I think there's a, a, there's a big pull to the industry centers, especially when you're starting out. Um, and there's a great benefit to being in the industry centers, you know, the connections that you can make with other musicians. So yeah, it's, it's a pull, but I think it is changing. I think people are realizing the cost of living and the quality of life is it's becoming increasingly more difficult in New York City, in Los Angeles, and Kansas City. It's such a nice place to live. More and more um, musicians are deciding to stay or to come, and especially the great legacy we have in jazz music here, Charlie Parker, um, and Count Basie, and um, Lester Young, and the history of jazz here is so stellar and important that it's finally being recognized. I think musicians are moving here because of that history, and that's a really exciting development. As well, well. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, I'm starting to realize that folks are moving. I don't want everybody moving here because I don't want it to turn yeah. into another Austin or Nashville or Asheville, yeah. you know, where it just, where the, the, the housing prices and everything go through the roof. I don't, I don't want everybody moving here, but for the folks that are already here, from here I would love for you to be able to stay and figure out how to make a living here and I'm starting to realize we don't even know exactly how much industry is here yeah um, and by industry I mean you know sound engineers and booking agents and PR people and radio uh, promoters are they here um, if they are where are you I, I want to know that you're that I, I want to know that you're here um, I, I have started, along with some others, a nonprofit this year, the Heartland Song Network, and our goal or our mission is to try to elevate the art of the song and songwriting mm. through education, collaboration, and mentorship. Mm. So you both have been educated, um, formally educated in music. Um, do you have mentors or have you had mentors in the past that were very influential to your music education? Oh, And, sure. and if so, who, who, give me some examples of who, who that would be. Well, well for me, my mom, of yeah. course, because she's a, a singer. And, and I initially thought that I would want to be an opera singer like her. And then as I got into college, I realized that I there was a different path for me. But I mean, just she engendered in my brother and I just the, the appreciation and the understanding of music and singing and I mean, like Ben always says, and I totally agree, music was like a second language in our home. I mean, it was just, we would all discuss, oh, this person sounds good, this person sounds bad, or we would sing together. I mean, it was just, she, she was for sure my, probably my biggest musical mentor. And of was course, she a professional? Did she, did she? Oh yeah, she's, a, she's an so opera singer. She sings with the Kansas City Lyric Opera and has a huge roster of voice students. What about you, Nathan? Do you have other mentors you would cite? Well, musically, um, you know, because I studied jazz so intensely for so long, it would be my saxophone teacher at Berkeley. I had several, but one that really um, struck a chord with my heart. His name is George Garzon. And um, I think about him almost every day. And he is such an inspiration to me and an amazing musician. I highly recommend anyone who's not familiar with his music to check him out, George Garzon. And also there's the icons that continue to inspire that I have never met, of course, but um, musicians like John Coltrane, who are my guiding light and my inspiration every single day when I need to recharge and recenter. I always go to his music. Um, so John Coltrane is a big one for me. Do you play the saxophone much on Barnaby Bright records? No, I don't know that I can really discern saxophone on there. 
<laughs> There's a little on um, on the please come home for Christmas. I played mm. saxophone on that one, but no, that's the only one. We, I haven't played saxophone much in Barnaby Brighton, but we're hoping to make a make that a thing coming up because it's just that. But I'm pretty busy in the Barnaby Bright set as it is, playing a bunch of different instruments and you know tuning between songs, so it'd be hard to squeeze. Yeah, yeah, it seems like you guys are busy um, for sure. It's it's a different. I mean, I am retired. I don't work in corporate America anymore. I did for 45 years. I This is what I do now in my life. And I, I am busy every day. It just amazes mm -hmm. me um, that this particular year has been so odd, but what we've been able to accomplish and things that we've been able to do, we wouldn't have been able to do, but for this pandemic and being yeah, locked down true. like this. Yes. What's a typical day like for you guys right now? <laughs> They're all very different. Very different. <laughs> it always involves some sort of recording a video. Uh, Nathan's usually in the studio working on something, something, an interview, answering a million emails, talking to our social media team about scheduling what posts are going to go out, what days. And don't forget to practice. Yeah. Got to practice every day. And he does. Spend time writing, of course, writing songs yeah. and and he's reading. been meditating every day. Um, and then I just need to have a little evening chocolate and watch TV time. <laughs> that centers I, me. <laughs> we're binging a lot of Netflix over here. Uh, we just watched the uh, the last waltz for about the 30th time <laughs> in our lives. That's such an iconic documentary. It's so good. I haven't seen it for a while. Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah, that's neat. So you are busy in lockdown and you are another keystone to my life right now is collaborations. Um, um, who are you collaborating with right now and for what purpose? Hmm. Well, in this very current moment, we are not collaborating with any musicians because we're not working on any tracks, but in the course of the Christmas album, we were, I mean, we did it all remotely. So we're having violinists and cellists send in their parts and drummers and Calvin Arsenia, local Kansas City guy, send in his vocals and one of our best friends, Liz Longley from Nashville, sent her vocal, and Caleb, Caleb Holly in Harlem, who's an incredible, incredible. musician oh and God. songwriter. Caleb Holly, if your listeners don't know Caleb Holly yet, check him out. I'm <laughs> going to go down that rabbit hole because of the little video that's out there with you guys in a car in New York somewhere. Yeah. Oh, that goes with well, colors. Yeah. And just to give you a heads up, on Monday we're releasing the the video of, with him of the song on the album that that we did with that him. That was an amazing little snippet. So I'm definitely going to go. Yeah. We're down that rabbit hole. So uh, we're coming out of a season of massive collaboration, but right now it's a little quiet. But the next record is being fomented. So yeah, we're we're contemplating who we want to work with and how we can you know, expand our leverage. No more sorrow, no grief or Cause I'll be happy, happy once again. friend of mine, or most, mostly a friend of a friend, um, indicated that you write or work um, with hymns and, and sacred music as, as well. Is that, is that something that you guys are, are doing regularly or is that well, not writing? Is that just part of your personal life. That that's that's more of a, per, a personal life thing. But that's just um, and then we're not writing for that. But we yeah, we play songs at, at a local church sometimes. Mm -hmm. It helps run their sound as well. Um, 
a lot of folks are talking about trying to figure out to work out all the technology kinks to make this work. Yes. It's a and, <laughs> you know, even yeah. from this simple thing of um, lighting and mm -hmm. making a live stream so that the video is synced up with the audio and um, what have you been through? What, where are you at right now as to what is your recommendation or, or does it really have to just be something you go through yourself to figure journey. out what's best for you? It is a journey and it's also what's best for the artists. You know, some artists are not so, um, technology isn't very much a part of their sound. And so just a really good microphone that you can you know, get into your computer world via USB is a great investment. Other artists need more signal expandability and um, effects and things like that. We would fall into that category. We use, we use a lot of samplers and multiple instruments. So we have a lot of summing of signal before it goes USB into the computer and we can add effects and stuff like that. So it's a journey. But, Everyone but, just has to figure it out. And it's I mean, so is there existing gear out there that you can use or are, is new gear having to okay. be developed or invented to get a little mixer that's usb now that goes into your computer a mixing board yeah it's a little you know small mixing mm -hmm. board and, and you can go straight into your laptop or our desktop whatever you have via usb and that's a good way to do it but the trial and error involved was massive i mean i'd say the first six it's months of happening. the pandemic we were buying stuff returning stuff trying stuff using different lighting all of it, and, and I would say in the last month, like we played a show on Wednesday night online and one of our friends called us afterwards and said, that is the best live sound I've heard on a, on a live stream performance on the internet since all of this began. And it was like a, yes. Yeah, I mean, cause I, as you can imagine, I'm, I am a volunteer on a community radio station. I can't imagine what it's like for a radio DJ that's on a corporate rec, you know, corporate media. Um, I get new music every day, all day. And the, the breadth of the quality is amazing to me. Some of it is just so, so good. And some of it is just not good. And I, and I know that a lot of it has to do with, you know, finances and what you're able to afford to do. But I, I can't imagine the time and effort and brain power that it's taking to try to figure out the best way to present your art when this is what we've got right now, when this is and, how you have to do it. And every platform is so proprietary, like Zoom has very different settings from other platforms. So we've dialed in how to get our sound good on Zoom. But like when we first started all of this, we were doing shows for Cisco, WebEx, they would have these company parties and we were using their platform. And Sucks. we absolutely, well, it's just not meant for music. It's not meant for music. So and all had, these algorithms canceling what it perceives as background noise. But of course, in music, background noise is the subtlety of accompaniment. You yeah. Know? So it's just yeah. and, not and, a good platform. And Facebook music. is different than Instagram. And But luckily, again, we figured out a way to have consistent sound through Facebook, Instagram, using this program called OBS. Yeah, I would recommend OBS for people who are looking yeah. at a way to figure out how to stream professional audio on the internet. OBS is, OBS is a free and very powerful solution. Yeah. I think that this is gonna be the way, way even when things open up again, that yeah, we'll never this, go this, this is gonna be the way a lot of people are able to get their art out there because it is economically, it's economical not only financially, but just in your time. I mean, yeah, the people like you that have 
toured for years and done 200 shows plus a year on the road, the toll that that takes on your physical and mental and spiritual well-being yes. is and your car yeah just your all of it your creativity too yeah it just it just is soul sucking <laughs> yeah. i uh, i see this as an opportunity to for so many more musicians and artists to be able to get their art out there and for folks like me now that i I don't want to go to big stadium shows anymore and big festivals. I mean, I, I did that. I've done that for 50 years and I love the small venue, the house concert. Um, that's where I'm at now. And whether it has to be online or I can do it again in person, I think that there's a huge market for that. And you'll be able to make as much money, if not more by figuring yeah. out, you know, how to do that without taking such a toll. And, and exactly, and not only is it that, I mean, it's been great for us to actually be in our in our home, in our home city, you know, for the holidays, but also like we did this show on Wednesday night with two Nashville artists. And on Wednesday, we're doing a show with our friend Liz Longley, who's in Nashville and Martin Sexton. It's a private show oh, and all these, people, yeah, all these, all these people have been commenting and saying like, when else would we be able to see all of these artists that we love on the same night? And it's like, you know, Zoom is providing that opportunity. So there's... it's getting to the point now where almost every night I have to make a choice, you know, yeah. I'm going to be able to see. So I'm I'm always grateful when um, an artist or a series at least leaves it up for a while or records it so that you can go, you know, check it out later. Um, are you guys have you participated in Folk Alliance in the past, the festival? Mm -mm. Not no. that one. We've done NERFA and um, We've done a few the, the Northeastern Regional Folk Alliance. So you've done the regional stuff. Yeah, one of our good friends, Alex, is one of the head guys at Folk Alliance. He's Alex Mallet. Yes. Yeah. Do you have plans on participating this year in the virtual yeah. Folk Unlock? Well, not not for like, <laughs> two, not in two months, but the one the next after one that. After. Yeah. The one that comes back to Kansas City. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll apply anyway. We can't yeah. guarantee yeah. we'll do anything. Yeah. Well, uh, it's it's been a life changer for me when they moved to Kansas City and started bringing all of this music here. It's opened up so many horizons for for um, the radio station and artists in Kansas City to be recognized, you know, internationally. Really, the opportunity. So, do you have plans to stay here? Are you going to move again? I would never say never. I mean, was no LA was LA ever a consideration? He lived there. For I, a while. I live there. I love LA. That is where the best records in the world are made, in my opinion. <laughs> and yeah, I love Los Angeles. I would love to um, be a part of that community. But we'll see what happens. We're really happy here, and we're able to still pursue our yeah. dreams here. So we'll, not anytime soon. Not anytime I don't soon. see it on the horizon. But I mean, man, we've got a lot of life left to live. Someday, so. man. <laughs> does, so, does it matter that whether industry people are here or not for you? I think I think opportunities are increased when you are in an industry center. Oh, I think 100%. you just can't. Yeah, that is true. Our manager is in New York City. Our social media team is in London, and our publicist is in New York. So if we didn't have those those people working for us, I think we would probably have a difficult, a more difficult time. Yeah. But when we lived in New York City, we started the band in New York City, and uh, we're part of a really exciting community of artists yeah. there. 
And so many connections. opportunities happen that could not have happened without being right there. Yeah. The demographics are really changing and people are living, leaving those industry centers more and more. So well, maybe Kansas City will be the future industry center. Let's hope. Well, I, I certainly hope so to a certain extent. But again, I think that we have world-class Olympic level musical athletes here. Yeah, absolutely. And for sure. Treat them like they're furniture movers. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? You you you're not given your due here, and and I'm I'm hoping to be part of changing that. And whether that's to recognize <laughs> industry that's here and flush them out so that we can all um, um, kind of coalesce and, and be a community. But you know, community to me, it's it's not. It's not a thing. It's it's something that you do. So why why not here? Yeah. Why not here? True. Um, it's a little bit difficult, more difficult here because we straddle a state line, and there's so many different municipalities and so many different governmental entities, and to try to get some sort of, you know, cohesion is is difficult. But that's just part of the, the fun. I yeah. think you know. So we've got a new record that's going to come out in 2021. Is it done? Yep. No, no, no. We're um, we're just beginning work on it. This conceptual pre-production stage. Um. Do you plan on launching it differently than the music that you've done in the past because of the realities well, yeah, of the world right now? When we're a little further down the production process and we kind of have a better idea of that right now it's it's just really about um the songs finding the songs and then um that those considerations i think come a little later at least for me and i think it depends on the state of the world too <laughs> you know you both write mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. um i know you probably get asked this all the time so i'm trying to frame it so that it doesn't sound like it's been something you've been asked a lot um, I'm, I'm in a relationship right now for the first time where we are working and living together. You know, we're, we're working, doing essentially the same thing. That's a first for me. Um, you've been doing this for a long time. So do you have any advice <laughs> on how to do it successfully and not in a pandemic and not kill each other at the end of the day? Well, yeah, we often um, use this, uh, think of this Rilke quote that inspires us. And um, what is it? I hold this as a highest bond between two people that each protect the solitude of the other. So I think if you can really give permission to your partner to say, hey, I just need to be alone right now. You know, I love you, but uh, I just need some me time and that, you know, you don't get upset about that. You don't take it personally. Mm -hmm. Just the communication is important, but just to make sure, hey, are you OK? I'm going to get out of here for a while so you can have the place to write, Cause especially when you're writing something about you can be alone in a room but if you know someone's in the house it still doesn't feel like you're alone creatively and sometimes you need that and sometimes it's good to bring the idea to your partner and hash it out together but there is that like alone yeah. creative writing place that is so sacred and we do because we're home so much more together have to be more mindful to give each other that space and we were just talking about this the other night because I think it's something I sometimes take for granted that we are able to work so well together and also have been married for 13 years and I mean really have a business together because a lot of people are like oh man I could never work with my husband he'd drive me nuts and da 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 and that's not to say 
we don't have our moments. Oh, I don't want to, yeah. well, it goes both ways. I, I don't want to put up any false representations, but um, I had this realization the other day that we're both introverts. And so I think that really works out for us because we're able to work together with another person that we're comfortable with and just be ourselves. Whereas if we were out in the workforce, we'd constantly be forced to work with other people. We might feel uncomfortable or just want to go be alone. And I don't know, I think there's something about that that, that helps us. Here I am again, I find myself alone, my ticket in my hand. Here comes the train. We're a couple states away, but you're worth it, baby, is what we always say. But do you still feel the same? Cause I'm staring out the window, trying to call my mind, my mind, because I I always am tickled when a performer says they're an introvert, when you <laughs> are able to get up on a stage in front of thousands of strangers and do what you, you yeah. do. There's, there's yeah, that's, that's, very, that's very comfortable. <laughs> that's the irony. Yeah, there feels totally comfortable. I mean, that's why I'm on the radio. I, I cannot, I mean, I, the thought of when people ask me to like MC an event or something where people are going to actually see me. I just die inside. I would rather take a beating than do that. I like the anonymity of the radio. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the the, um, the strength that it takes to get up and do what you guys do um, is just an amazing thing to me. I, I hope you keep doing it. I'm, I'm concerned to hear, we, we've been doing some surveys of the local musicians and um, I worry about the number of people that indicate they may not be able to survive this as a musician mm -hmm. this time period that they've got to do something else or utilize another skill you know that they have in their tool belt and may not may not come back to this is there any worry or concern on your part at this point that you may not be able to continue or is that just not even an option well, there's always there's always worry and concern, but um, there's no. <laughs> it's I don't know what else we would do. It's, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, we kind of have to make it work because that's all we can do. Yeah, <laughs> that's all we know. Well, I heard I heard you like to cook though. Oh, oh she can cook. I love to cook, and I like to eat, so that's good. <laughs> How do you not weigh three hundred pounds, you two, during this? Well, we're both vegetarians, and everything that I make is I try to I try to do comfort food with a healthy spin. So. And I'm a, and I'm a little overweight, so. <laughs> well now we're and now it's winter is coming on so you can't see see that blanket back there that's covering a rowing machine that we just got that we're we're trying to we're trying to figure out how to do it and not end up in the hospital blanket holder yeah that just loaned to somebody else well i just i thought if i didn't cover it up that that's all anybody's going to stare at is this is danny's office this isn't my house What's behind, or my office? My office has a bar with all the our liquor cabinets right behind. That's oh, what you see behind when you're when I'm in my office is my liquor. Right. I have to see what a big picture of the bot, uh, a big picture of the Beatles in my liquor cabinet is what okay. my, my background is. We're gonna talk. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk again sometime. We'll talk Beatles over gin martinis. That's yeah. Nice. Oh well, you know, I uh, like I said, I've I've forgotten more than I know at this point, and. I just love the fact that you guys are here in Kansas City, and I um, look forward to 
even going down the rabbit hole further with your music and want to see you live. I mean, one of the things that I really have enjoyed the last few days going through the video, the videos is the quality of the production. Um, I don't understand some of the venues that you were record or that you were performing in, how the sound is so good and the, <laughs> so, you know, it's yeah. just really, you, you've done a really good job in, in representing um, yourself. Sonically, and I, I look forward to whatever it is that you want to do uh, in the future. And again, uh, for our listeners on the radio, we will be broadcasting Holiday Bliss, which is a holiday extravaganza a la um, uh, Bing Crosby and Dean Martin from the 60s. Um, you seem to have an affinity for the 1960s. I well, think. how can you not? Which is when I grew up. When I grew up, I mean, I graduated from high school back in the '60s. I'm a child of the '60s. And poetry and music and art. I mean, it's just an extraordinary time. The 1960s? Are you talking about the 1760s? <laughs> that too. Yeah, William Blake, my man. Come on. Yeah. What of are you? So, what are you reading right now? Do you do you, do you have time or take time to recreationally oh, read? Love, yeah. Well, I just finished Thomas Pynchon, um, "Crying of Lot 49." That was a really. He also read Les Miserables. I just read Les Miserables, which I think is one of the best things I've ever read in my life. And he read the Odyssey. Odyssey, um, the Iliad, and currently I'm reading um, "East of Eden," John Steinbeck, and it's really. You know, great. isn't it amazing? I don't know what they made you kids read in high school when you were in high school. But when I was in high school, we had, that's what we had to read. We yeah. read the Odyssey and Moby Dick and yeah. all of the classics. And we just hated. Yeah. You get so much more if you want to read it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's, it's so prescient now. I, I, I have all those books. I've had them, been schlepping them around for 50 years. And uh, Danny has a master's degree in political science that he didn't get till he was 60 years old. And so we have all this political science books. Um, so we've been reading the Federalist Papers. Interesting. Which wow. is really interesting in the time period that we find yes. ourselves in right now. Yeah. So what are you, what are you, Becky, do you like to read? I love to read. Yeah. I've, what I've been reading the, the Nightingale. I can't remember the author, but it's a, it's a look at World War II in Paris, the, the Nazis invading Paris. And it's just a story about a family there. It's also um, very timely with the Vichy government yeah. and uh, working with the Nazis and hmm, but I, preserve I, the culture and I quit having to read it I couldn't read it before bed anymore because it was just so stressful yeah. <laughs> wasn't it wasn't making me sleep but it's an amazing book well the music again the music that that you're putting out there right now is something that's very much needed by folks like me that can't produce music and, and are not musical that it's what's keeping me sane right now is discovering new music and, and visiting old favorites again, you know, and just the music is just playing all day long every day. So thank you for that. Thank you for providing some of the. Thank you for listening. Thank yeah. you for that. Yeah. Local artists and local music. We're so grateful. People like you are what's going to keep it alive and keep us surviving. Well, yeah. just keep doing it. That's all I'm saying. Don't, and if, if you need a little pep talk, you've got my phone number, <laughs> email address. Um, I can't wait to see you in person sometime. Absolutely. Um, um, let's say things open up. Let's pretend that they're going to open up in the next 90 days or so. 
If you could put on a show in Kansas City, where would it be? What, where would you like to play? Madrid. Yeah, the Madrid, maybe. <laughs> or the Uptown. We've played the Uptown before. That's a fun place That's to play. That's a really amazing place to play. I mean, we, we did the record bar last year, and that was really fun, too. But again, we just love theaters and places that sort of have this almost haunted quality mm -hmm. to them. You know, you just can feel the, the history of it. The history of performances past. And it's just something special about theaters. Not a very direct answer. Sorry, we're indecisive. Any theater. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for your time today. I'm going to let you go so you can get back to reading your book or practicing <laughs> or whatever. Recording guitar. It's, uh, <laughs> it's been a pleasure, and I can't wait to regularly share Barnaby Bright on my, um, on my radio show, and we'll introduce uh, folks to you through the podcast as well. Thank you for doing thank that. Thank you we're so, so grateful. much. Oh, you're welcome. Have a great rest of your day, you guys. Yeah. Have you ever loved so low? Every party you came pouring out, busting the same things you've never felt. Have you ever hurt so deep for another soul? I could give you my heart